0: It's good to open God's Word with you this morning, so go ahead and grab your Bibles or devices and turn to the book of Matthew, and we'll be in chapter 22, starting in verse 34. So the book of Matthew is found in the New Testament, which is the second part of the Bible, and Matthew is the very first book of the New Testament. And we're gonna be in chapter 22, so it's that big number there, and the little number will be verse 34. So go ahead and find Matthew 22, verse 34. See, this morning's text takes place uh, right after last week's passages that Pastor Chad preached on. It's right after Jesus comes and makes his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem and then the cleansing of the temple. And so the next day when he's there, he, he wakes up and heads right back to the temple and begins to teach. And as he is teaching, he is interrupted and then questioned by the priests and Pharisees and Sadducees. And that's where our passage, our text, takes place and picks up this morning. So Matthew 22, starting in verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, who would have been an expert or a scholar of the law, asked him a question to test or trick him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And let me pause right here. See, this wasn't an uncommon question. There is over 613 commandments in the Old Testament. And the Pharisees would gather together and they would have debates amongst themselves of which one is the greatest. Now this past weekend when we were out of town, we were eating lunch and as we were sitting there, there was a TV up in the corner and it had the sports center on and it was asking the question, who is the greatest basketball player of all time? and they go on, and this is a heavily often subject, they wanna know who's the greatest, who's the GOAT of basketball. And it typically comes down to two players. It comes down to Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Now obviously the greatest player is Michael Jordan, but some people have the opinion that it's LeBron James. But here's the thing, with all the sportscasters, all the fans, all the players, everyone who debates of who is the greatest, not a single one of them actually has the final authority. See, it's all based on matter of opinion even the statistics change up and and make it different for which player is better than the other no one has the final authority to say who is the greatest basketball player of all time and just like the these sportscasters and f- fans who debate this the pharisees don't have authority either see it's all their opinions as they go through the 613 commandments they debate back and forth And not a single one of them has the authority. And so it's so ironic. It's just God's sovereignty that he takes over here that he allows this lawyer in an attempt to trick Jesus to ask the one person who actually has the authority to answer this question. And this is Jesus's response. He said to them, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, You see, when Jesus is here, quote, he's actually quoting Deuteronomy 6-5, which is part of the Shema. See, the Shema is a, a central passage to those of the Jewish faith. It, it's something that is actually daily recited to this day uh, by some of the most devout of the Jewish faith. And so when Jesus would quote this, he's quoting a passage that was very familiar to the Pharisees. And he's saying, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and see with the english language it'd be very easy to put these in three separate categories but what jesus is trying to say here the heart soul and mind actually all go together see they're not in separate categories but they overlap with one another because what jesus is trying to communicate to the pharisees here is that you're to love god with your whole self Every fiber of your being is to love God with everything that you have. Every part of us, all of us, is to love God. Every faculty, every capacity of ourselves. You see, we understood this greatly when we became followers of Christ. See, in that moment when we recognized the weight of our sin, we recognized that we were burdened and we were held down and held back by our sin, and that there was nothing that we can do to save ourselves because we knew that the consequence of sin was death and eternal separation from God. And in that moment, we needed God to come and invade our heart, soul, and mind, and He does that through the sacrifice of Jesus. He does that where Jesus takes our sin, our bad, and puts it onto himself and imputes to us his righteousness, his love for us, his good. And it is in that moment when we are restored back to a rightful relationship with God because God no longer sees our sin, but he sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus. That's what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And if you're listening today, and as, as I'm explaining this, you say, Josh, I have questions. I, I want to know more about having this relationship. I want to experience this life-changing hope. I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to pick up your phone and text the words CHANGING to nine four zero zero zero. That's CHANGING nine four zero zero zero. One of our pastors will get back in touch with you as soon as possible, and we'd love to be able to walk you through what it means to have a life-changing hope relationship with jesus but as we continue on let me pose a question for us what defines us as an individual and as a church see are we defined by our love for god and for jesus or do you allow ourselves to be defined by something lesser you see, Jesus is calling us to love, with, love ourselves with our heart, soul, and mind, with all of us. Every part of us is to love God. And so have we given ourselves to that or have we allowed the things of this world to overcome us? Have we allowed and given ourselves to lesser things to define us? Maybe it's our, our job. Maybe it's our clothes. Maybe it's our car maybe it's what people think of us maybe it's how our, our power our authority what is defined us in a way that, a hard way to find out is to ask those around us ask those um, in our family ask our friends ask our coworkers, ask our neighbors hey when you hear about me when you know me what am i about If it is not, one of the first things is not God or our love for God or Jesus, there's something wrong with our relationships, with our priorities of our identity, how we are defined. And let let me give this an example. First, the bad one. When I was younger, when I was in high school, um, I was trying to get right with my relationship with God. I I had years of rebellion, and I was trying to get back in a right relationship in my own strength. And so I wanted to, uh, in a way, fake it till I made it. And so I went out and I got all these Christian t-shirts and I'd wear because I wanted people to know that I was a Christian without a doubt, that I was not ashamed of my faith. So I had the WWJD bracelet. I had a I Love Jesus t-shirt and I'd wear shirts like that everywhere. But one day I was stopped by a gentleman and he asked me to quote the verse that was on my shirt. He asked me to quote, it was Psalm 23. And I couldn't do it. And in that moment, I recognized that my outward appearance didn't match my heart. I recognized that I was not loving God with all my, myself. I was essentially a fake. I was truly faking it. Um, and I needed my heart to grow closer to God. I needed my heart to seek after God more and allow my heart and my actions to be defined, to define me, not the clothes that I wore. But let me share with you a good example. A few weeks ago, uh, we were meeting with one of our ministry partners for the Respite uh, Homeless Ministry that we have that takes place here on Thursdays uh, each week. And as she was getting out of her car, her pastor was there, and he goes, hey, let me introduce to you Pastor Chad and Pastor Josh. And she goes, Chad, it's great to meet you. Josh, we've already met. Um, she's like, you're, you're well known. And I was like, excuse me? And she said, she goes, my kids came here Five years ago, to your vacation Bible school, she's like, and to this day, they still sing the songs and that you sung and do all the dance moves and the worship moves uh, to those songs uh, to this day, five years later. And she looked at me and she goes, "Your church has one of the best vacation Bible schools in the entire valley." She goes, "We absolutely love the ministries that you guys do for kids here," and that was such an encouraging thing to hear. To hear that our church is known for uh, our ministry to our community and to the, to the kids uh, through Vacation Bible School. that is something that she defines our church by is our love for kids, by sharing the gospel with them through this ministry event. And so that is something that we should be encouraged by as a church family, knowing that that's something that we are defined as within our community. But as the passage says, We must love God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind. And so moving forward, what are we going to do to grow in this? How are we going to allow, we need to allow God to be the forethought of everything that we do. When we have a decision before us, do we question and stop and pray and ask God what to do in this moment? Do we ask for his wisdom and discernment? When we have a moment to to minister to somebody, uh, a moment that maybe sin or not sin, to to have road rage or not, to, to yell at our spouse or kids or our coworker or not, do we stop and allow ourselves to think, how can I love God in this moment? And how can I love my family member, my coworker, my friend, this complete stranger on the road in this moment? Are we allowing God to be the forethought of every word we say and of our actions? Because as the Bible says, out of the out of the mouth the heart speaks what is in our heart is going to be communicated to others we must keep God in the forethought of everything that we do because it is in this moment when we allow God to control us and I'm sorry for you carry Underwood friends who love Jesus take the wheel I don't want Jesus just to take the wheel I want him to be the whole car I want him to be the one who's completely driving me, completely leading to me where I should go and complete control where I am there trusting him and abiding in him because it is in that moment where I get to step aside and I truly say he must increase and I must decrease. It truly means that God is living through me and I'm no longer driven by shame, guilt, fear, pride, but I'm driven by the love of God. And that is the driving force that is in my heart and in my life. Now back to our passage up into this point, uh, the Pharisees probably would have, most of the Pharisees probably would have agreed with Jesus. They probably would have been excited and high five and said, I knew this was the greatest passage of greatest commandments of all the commandments. But that is when Jesus goes and he drops this bomb on them. And he says this in verse 39. And a second is like it, not just one verse, but there's, there's two commandments that are just like it, equal. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, Jesus here is quoting Leviticus 19, 18. And when he says a second is like it, he is emphasizing the point that these two commands are together. That you can't have one without the other, but they coincide and coexist together. See, first John 421 affirms this point. And it says this, and this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Did you catch that? Whoever loves God must love his brother. You can't have the two separated, but they go together. And I want you to take a note of this. This is the, the bottom line, the, the main point and theme of today's passage. And it is this. We love God the most when we express his love to others. Let me say that again. We love God the most when we express his love to others. First part of this passage is that we are to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, with all of us. But we are to love others as much as we love ourselves. We are to put others before ourselves just as we selfishly want to look to us and look to our own needs and our own desires, we should look the same for others before us. Because to love God is to love his creation. And God's greatest creation is all of mankind because mankind was made in his image. All human beings are image bearers of God. And not and everything else that he created, he said was good, but when he made us, he said, it is very good. We are special and near and dear to heart as image bearers of God. So what does this mean? This means all mankind. So yes, it includes your family, includes your friends, it includes the the church family that we have here, and it includes your coworkers and everybody around you. But it also includes that snot-nosed kid down the street. It includes those irritating neighbors that have parties through late hours of the night and keeps you up, or maybe have a dog that barks non-stop It's also the homosexual community. It's also those who are part of the different political parties, the Republicans and Democrats. It's the politician that may have won the election that you don't like. God loves them and calls us to love them. It's people of all religions, of all colors, of all backgrounds. They are all bears God's image. They all bear the image of God. And we are called to love them. Again, the same word, the Greek word that Jesus used for love, agapao, is used here as well. We are to show and demonstrate the love of God because we love God the most when we express his love to others. So again, the question, as an individual, as a church, we must show and demonstrate the love of God to others, especially those who are not part of, of our Christian faith, especially those who don't have a relationship with Jesus. We are to show them love. So Christian, hear me. Aren't you grateful that someone took the opportunity to share God's love with you? Aren't you grateful that somebody put aside any fear, any, any awkwardness to tell you that Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you? See, I'm here today as a result of the faithfulness of a Sunday school teacher, and better yet, a preschool Sunday school teacher. I was four years old when my teacher sat me down when I asked questions about heaven and why I couldn't go there. She took the time to share the gospel with me. She took the time to share and said that Jesus loved me enough that he didn't want me to live in my sin anymore, but he wanted me to have a relationship with him. She didn't just push aside a, a four-year-old and think he was too young to know or to understand. No, she stopped in that moment and she shared the gospel me. She shared God's love with me. And as a result, I'm able to be here today to be able to share this truth with you. So be encouraged. Know that you have the opportunity to share God's love with others. God has placed you where you live, work, and play to be able to be a light, and example for God. Those around you are not far from God because he has placed you near them. He wants you to express his love to them. Jesus closes with this, verse 40. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. See the entire Old Testament, the, the majority of the Bible, all this right here can be summed up based on these two commandments. And see Paul encourages the church of Rome in, verses, in Romans 13 verses eight through 10. And he says this, owe no one anything except to love each other For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you should not commit adultery. You should not murder. You should not steal. You should not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. Did you catch that? All is summed up in this love. We are called to love God and to love others. And so we and we love God the most when we express his love to others. So let us not be shy for sharing the life changing hope of Jesus, the love of God with those in our community. Will you join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to sit under your word this morning god i pray that as we we've studied your word fathers we sing praises to you that you have been glorified and honored father lord that we haven't just gone through the motions and done this begrudgingly father but we are here open heartedly god we are here desiring and wanting to know you more we are here to learn of your love to grow in your love father but not just to to sit on the sidelines but father we are in the game and we want to share your love with those around us. So God, I pray that you give us opportunities. Give us opportunities to express your love to those where we live, work, and play. Father, we love you and thank you for all your blessings. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.